Chapter fifty five, part three of a popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six, by Francois Guizot, translated by Robert Black. Chapter fifty five, Louis the fifteenth, the philosophers, part three. The volume which Frederick claimed and which he considered it of so much importance to preserve from Voltaire's indiscretions, contained, amongst other things, a burlesque and licentious poem entitled The Palladium, wherein the king scoffed at everything and everybody in terms which he did not care to make public. He knew the reckless malignity of the poet who was leaving him, and he had a right to be suspicious of it. But nothing can excuse the severity of his express orders and still less the brutality of his agents the package had arrived voltaire agitated anxious and ill wanted to get away as soon as possible accompanied by madame denis who had just joined him freitag had no orders and refused to let him go the prisoner loses his head he makes up his mind to escape at any price he slips from the hotel he thinks he is free but the police of frankfort was well managed Quote, the moment i was off i was arrested i my secretary and my people my niece is arrested four soldiers drag her through the mud to a cheesemonger's named smith who had some title or other of privy councillor to the king of prussia my niece had a passport from the king of france and what is more she had never corrected the king of prussia's verses they huddled us all into a sort of hostelry at the door of which were posted a dozen soldiers we were for twelve days prisoners of war, and we had to pay a hundred and forty crowns a day." The wrath and disquietude of Voltaire no longer knew any bounds. Madame Denis was ill, or feigned to be. She wrote letter upon letter to Voltaire's friends at the court of Prussia. She wrote to the king himself. The strife which had begun between the poet and the maladroit agents of the great Frederick was becoming serious. Quote, we would have risked our lives rather than let him get away said freitag and if i holding a council of war with myself had not found him at the barrier but in the open country and he had refused to jog back i don't know that i shouldn't have lodged a bullet in his head to such a degree had i at heart the letters and writings of the king freitag's zeal received a cruel rebuff orders arrived to let the poet go quote, i gave you no orders like that wrote frederick you should never make more noise than a thing deserves i wanted voltaire to give up to you the key the cross and the volume of poems i had entrusted to him as soon as all that was given up to you i can't see what earthly reason could have induced you to make this uproar at last on the sixth of july quote, all this affair of ostrogoths and vandals being over quote, voltaire left frankfort precipitately his niece had taken the road to paris when she soon wrote to him quote, there is nobody in france i say nobody without exception who has not condemned this violence mingled with so much that is ridiculous and cruel it makes a deeper impression than you would believe everybody says that you could not do otherwise than you are doing in resolving to meet with philosophy things so unphilosophical we shall do very well to hold our tongues the public speaks quite enough end quote voltaire held his tongue according to his idea of holding his tongue drawing in his poem of la loi naturelle dedicated at first to the margravine of beirut 
and afterwards to the duchess of saxe gotha a portrait of frederick which was truthful and at the same time bitter quote, of incongruities a monstrous pile calling men brothers crushing them the while with air humane a misanthropic brute oft-times impulsive sometimes over-cute weak midst his collar modest in his pride yearning for virtue lust personified statesman and author of the slippery crew my patron pupil persecutor too voltaire's intimacy with the great frederick was destroyed it had for a while done honour to both of them it had ended by betraying the pettinesses and the meannesses natural to the king as well as to the poet frederick did not remain without anxiety on the score of voltaire's rancour voltaire dreaded nasty diplomatic proceedings on the part of the king he had been threatened with as much by lord keith my lord marechal as he was called on the continent from the hereditary title he had lost in his own country through his attachment to the cause of the stuarts Quote, let us see in what countries m de voltaire has not had some squabble or made himself many enemies said a letter to madame denis from the great scotch lord when he had entered frederick's service every country where the inquisition prevails must be mistrusted by him he would put his foot in it sooner or later the mussulmans must be as little pleased with his mahomet as good christians were he is too old to go to china and turn mandarin in a word if he is wise there is no place but france for him he has friends there and you will have him with you for the rest of his days do not let him shut himself out from the pleasure of returning thither for you are quite aware that if he were to indulge in speech and epigrams offensive to the king my master a word which the latter might order me to speak to the court of france would suffice to prevent m de voltaire from returning and he would be sorry for it when it was too late voltaire was already in france but he dared not venture to paris mutilated clumsy or treacherous issues of the abrege de l'histoire universelle had already stirred the bile of the clergy there were to be seen in circulation copies of la pucelle a disgusting poem which the author had been keeping back and bringing out alternately for several years past voltaire fled from colmar where the jesuits held sway to lyons where he found marshal richelieu but lately his protector and always his friend who was repairing to his government of languedoc cardinal tancin refused to receive the poet who regarded this sudden severity as a sign of the feelings of the court towards him Quote, the king told madame de pompadour that he did not want me to go to paris i am of his majesty's opinion i don't want to go to paris wrote voltaire to the marquis of Polmy. he took fright and sought refuge in switzerland where he soon settled on the lake of geneva pending his purchase of the estate of ferney in the district of getz and that of tourney in burgundy he was henceforth fixed free to pass from france to switzerland and from switzerland to france Quote, i lean my left on mount jura he used to say my right on the alps and i have the beautiful lake of geneva in front of my camp a beautiful castle on the borders of france the ermitage of delice in the territory of geneva a good house at lausanne crawling thus from one burrow to another i escape from kings philosophers should always have two or three holes underground against the hounds that run them down the perturbation of voltaire's soul and mind was never stilled 
the anxious and undignified perturbation of his outer life at last subsided he left off trembling and in the comparative security which he thought he possessed he gave scope to all his free thinking which had but lately been often cloaked according to circumstances he had taken the communion at colmar to soften down the jesuits he had conformed to the rules of the convent of Senon, when he took refuge with dom calmet at delice he worked at the encyclopedia which was then being commenced by d'alembert and diderot taking upon himself in preference the religious articles and not sparing the creed of his neighbours the pastors of geneva any more than that of the catholic church Quote, i assure you that my friends and i will lead them a fine dance they shall drink the cup to the very lees wrote voltaire to d'alembert in the great campaign against christianity undertaken by the philosophers voltaire so long a wavering ally will henceforth fight in the foremost ranks it is he who shouts to diderot quote, squelch the thing or écraser l'infâme the masks are off and the fight is barefaced the encyclopedists march out to the conquest of the world in the name of reason humanity and free thinking even when he has ceased to work at the encyclopedia voltaire marches with them the essai sur l'histoire générale et les moeurs was one of the first broadsides of this new anti-religious crusade Quote, voltaire will never write a good history montesquieu used to say he is like the monks who do not write for the subject of which they treat but for the glory of their order voltaire writes for his convent the same intention betrayed itself in every sort of work that issued at that time from the ermitage of delice the poem on le tremblement de terre de lisbonne the drama of socrate the satire of le pauvre diable the sad story of candide led the way to a series of publications every day more and more violent against the christian faith the tragedy of l'orphelin de la chine and that of tancrede the quarrels with Fréron, with lefranc de pompignan and lastly with jean-jacques rousseau did not satiate the devouring activity of the patriarch as he was called by the knot of philosophers definitively installed at ferney voltaire took to building planting farming he established round his castle a small industrial colony for whose produce he strove to get a market everywhere Quote, our design he used to say is to ruin the trade of geneva in a pious spirit ferney moreover held grand and numerously attended receptions madame denis played her uncle's pieces on a stage which the latter had ordered to be built and which caused as much disquietude to the austere genevese as to jean-jacques rousseau it was on account of voltaire's theatrical representations that rousseau wrote his lettre contre les spectacles Quote, I love you not, sir, wrote Rousseau to Voltaire. You have done me such wrongs as were calculated to touch me most deeply. You have ruined Geneva in requital of the asylum you have found there. Geneva was about to banish Rousseau before long, and Voltaire had his own share of responsibility in this act of severity, so opposed to his general and avowed principles. Voltaire was angry with Rousseau, whom he accused of having betrayed the cause of philosophy he was as usual hurried away by the passion of the moment when he wrote speaking of the exile quote, i give you my word that if this blackguard or polisson of a jean jacques should dream of coming to geneva he would run great risk of mounting a ladder which would not be that of fortune 
at the very same time rousseau was saying quote, what have i done to bring upon myself the persecution of m de voltaire and what worse have i to fear from him would m de buffon have me soften this tiger thirsting for my blood he knows very well that nothing ever appeases or softens the fury of tigers if i were to crawl upon the ground before voltaire he would triumph thereat no doubt but he would rend me none the less basenesses would dishonour me but would not save me sir i can suffer i hope to learn how to die and he who knows how to do that has never need to be a dastard rousseau was high-flown and tragic voltaire was cruel in his contemptuous levity but the contrast between the two philosophers was even greater in the depths of them than on the surface rousseau took his own words seriously even when he was mad and his conduct was sure to belie them before long he was the precursor of an impassioned and serious age going to extremes in idea and placing deeds after words in spite of occasional reticence dictated by sound sense voltaire had abandoned himself entirely in his old age to that school of philosophy young ardent full of hope and illusions which would fain pull down everything before it knew what it could set up and the actions of which were not always in accordance with principles quote, the men were inferior to their ideas end quote president de brasse was justified in writing to voltaire quote, i only wish you had in your heart a half-quarter of the morality and philosophy contained in your works end quote. deprived of the counterpoise of political liberty the emancipation of thought in the reign of louis the fifteenth had become at one and the same time a danger and a source of profound illusions people thought that they did what they said and that they meant what they wrote but the time of actions and consequences had not yet come voltaire applauded the severities against rousseau and still he was quite ready to offer him an asylum at ferney he wrote to d'alembert i am engaged in sending a priest to the galleys at the very time when he was bringing eternal honour to his name by the generous zeal which led him to protect the memory and the family of the unfortunate people named Calas the glorious and bloody annals of the french reformation had passed through various phases liberty always precarious even under henry the fourth and whilst the edict of nantes was in force and legally destroyed by its revocation had been succeeded by periods of assuagement and comparative repose in the latter part of louis the fifteenth's reign about seventeen sixty fresh severities had come to overwhelm the protestants modestly going about their business silent and timid as inviolably attached to the king as to their hereditary creed several of them had undergone capital punishment john calas accused of murdering his son had been broken on the wheel at toulouse the reformers had been accustomed to these sombre dramas but the spirit of the times had marched onward ideas of justice humanity and liberty sown broadcast by the philosophers more imbued than they were themselves aware of with the holy influences of christianity had slowly and secretly acted upon men's minds executions which had been so frequent in the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries caused trouble and dismay in the eighteenth in vain did the fanatical passions of the populace of toulouse find an echo in the magistracy of that city it was no longer considered a matter of course that protestants should be guilty of every crime and that those who were accused should not be at liberty to clear themselves the philosophers had at first hesitated 
voltaire wrote to cardinal berny might i venture to entreat your eminence to be kind enough to tell me what i am to think about the frightful case of this callus broken on the wheel at toulouse on a charge of having hanged his own son the fact is they maintain here that he is quite innocent and that he called god to witness it this case touches me to the heart it saddens my pleasure it taints them either the parliament of toulouse or the protestants must be regarded with eyes of horror being soon convinced that the parliament deserved all his indignation voltaire did not grudge time efforts or influence in order to be of service to the unfortunate remnant of the callous family Quote, i ought to look upon myself as in some sort of a witness he writes several months ago peter callous who is accused of having assisted his father and mother in a murder was in my neighbourhood with another of his brothers i have wavered a long while as to the innocence of this family i could not believe that any judges would have condemned to a fearful death an innocent father of a family there is nothing i have not done to enlighten myself as to the truth i dare to say that i am as sure of the innocence of this family as i am of my own existence for three years with a constancy which he often managed to conceal beneath an appearance of levity voltaire prosecuted the work of clearing the callous it is voltaire who is writing on behalf of this unfortunate family said diderot to mademoiselle volant quote, oh my friend what a noble work for genius this man must needs have soul and sensibility injustice must revolt him he must feel the attraction of virtue why what are the callous to him what can awaken his interest in them what reason has he to suspend the labours he loves in order to take up their defence from the borders of the lake of geneva from his solitude at gentod charles bonnet far from favourable generally to voltaire writes to haller voltaire has done a work on tolerance which is said to be good he will not publish it until after the affair of the unfortunate callous has been decided by the king's council voltaire's zeal for these unfortunates might cover a multitude of sins that zeal does not relax and if they obtain satisfaction it will be principally to his championship that they will owe it he receives much commendation for this business and he deserves it fully the sentence of the council cleared the accused and the memory of john callus ordering that their names should be erased and effaced from the registers and the judgment transcribed upon the margin of the charge sheet the king at the same time granted madame callus and her children a gratuity of thirty-six thousand livres a tacit and inadequate compensation for the expenses and losses caused them by the fanatical injustice of the parliament of toulouse madame callus asked no more quote, to prosecute the judges and the ringleaders said a letter to voltaire from the generous advocate of the callus elias de beaumont requires the permission of the council and there is great reason to fear that these petty plebeian kings appear powerful enough to cause the permission through a weakness honoured by the name of policy to be refused voltaire however was triumphant quote, you were at paris he writes to m de cideville when the last act of the tragedy finished so happily the piece is according to the rules it is to my thinking the finest fifth act there is on the stage henceforth he finds himself transformed into the defender of the oppressed 
the protestant chaumont at the galleys owed to him his liberation he rushed to ferney to thank voltaire the pastor who had to introduce him thus described the interview to paul rabot quote, i told him that i had brought him a little fellow who had come to throw himself at his feet to thank him for having by his intercession delivered him from the galleys that it was chaumont whom i had left in his antechamber and whom i begged him to permit me to bring in at the name of chaumont m de voltaire showed a transport of joy and rang at once to have him brought in never did any scene appear to me more amusing and refreshing what said he my poor little good fellow they sent you to the galleys what did they mean to do to you what a conscience they must have to put in fetters and chain to the oar a man who had committed no crime beyond praying to god in bad french he turned several times to me denouncing persecution he summoned into his room some persons who were staying with him that they might share the joy he felt at seeing poor little chaumont who though perfectly well attired for his condition was quite astonished to find himself so well received there was nobody down to an ex-jesuit father adam who did not come forward to congratulate him innate love of justice and horror of fanaticism had inspired voltaire with his zeal on behalf of persecuted protestants a more personal feeling a more profound sympathy caused his grief and his dread when chevalier de la barre accused of having mutilated a crucifix was condemned in seventeen sixty six to capital punishment the scepticism of the eighteenth century had sudden and terrible reactions towards fanatical violence as a protest and a pitiable struggle against the doubt which was invading it on all sides the chevalier was executed he was not twenty years old he was an infidel and a libertine like the majority of the young men of his day and of his age the crime he expiated so cruelly was attributed to reading bad books which had corrupted him Quote, i am told writes voltaire to d'alembert that they said at their examination that they had been led on to the act of madness they committed by the works of the encyclopedists i can scarcely believe it these madmen don't read and certainly no philosopher would have counselled profanation the matter is important try to get to the bottom of so odious and dangerous a report and at another time to abbe morellet quote, you know that councillor pasquier said in full parliament that the young men of abbeville who were put to death had imbibed their impiety in the school and the works of the modern philosophers they were mentioned by name it is a formal denunciation wise men under such terrible circumstances should keep quiet and wait whilst keeping quiet voltaire soon grew frightened he fancied himself arrested even on the foreign soil of which he had sought refuge quote, my heart is withered he exclaims i am prostrated i am tempted to go and die in some land where men are less unjust he wrote to the great frederick with whom he had resumed active correspondence asking him for an asylum in the town of cleves where he might find refuge together with the persecuted philosophers his imagination was going wild quote, i went to him says the celebrated physician tronchin an old friend of his after i had pointed out to him the absurdity of his fearing that 
for a mere piece of imprudence france would come and seize an old man on foreign soil to shut him up in the bastille i ended by expressing my astonishment that a head like his should be deranged to the extent i saw it was covering his eyes with his clenched hands and bursting into tears yes yes my friend i am mad was all he answered a few days afterwards when reflection had driven away fear he would have defied all the powers of malevolence voltaire did not find his brethren in philosophy so frightened and disquieted by ecclesiastical persecution as to fly to cleves far from the quote, home of society end quote, as he had himself called paris in vain he wrote to diderot quote, a man like you cannot look save with horror upon the country in which you have the misfortune to live you really ought to come away into a country where you would have entire liberty not only to express what you pleased but to preach openly against superstitions as disgraceful as they are sanguinary you would not be solitary there you would have companions and disciples you might establish a chair there the chair of truth your library might go by water and there would not be four leagues journey by land in fine you would leave slavery for freedom all these inducements having failed of effect voltaire gave up the foundation of a colony at cleves to devote all his energy to that at ferney there he exercised seignorial rights with an active and restless guardianship which left him no illusions and but little sympathy in respect of that people whose sacred rights he had so often proclaimed Quote, the people will always be sottish and barbarous he wrote to m Bald. they are oxen needing a yoke a goad and a bit of hay that was the sum and substance of what he thought he was a stern judge of the french character the genuine and deep-lying resources of which he sounded imperfectly but the infinite varieties of which he recognized quote, i always find it difficult to conceive he wrote to m de constant how so agreeable a nation can at the same time be so ferocious how it can so easily pass from the opera to the st bartholomew be at one time made up of dancing apes and at another of howling bears be so ingenious and so idiotic both together at one time so brave and at another so dastardly voltaire fancied himself at a comedy still the hour of tragedy was at hand he and his friends were day by day weakening the foundations of the edifice for eighty years past the greatest minds and the noblest souls have been toiling to restore it on new and strong bases the work is not finished revolution is still agitating the depths of french society which has not yet recovered the only proper foundation stones for greatness and order amongst a free people henceforth voltaire reigned peacefully over his little empire at ferney courted from afar by all the sovereigns of europe who made any profession of philosophy Quote, I have a sequence of four kings, or brelan de roi quatrième, he would say with a laugh when he counted his letters from royal personages. The Empress of Russia, Catherine II, had dethroned in his mind the great Frederick. Voltaire had not lived in her dominions and at her court, he had no grievance against her. His vanity was flattered by the eagerness and the magnificent attentions of the Semiramis of the North, as he called her he even forgave her the most odious features of resemblance to the assyrian princess Quote, 
i am her knight in the sight and in the teeth of everybody he wrote to madame du defont i am quite aware that people bring up against her a few trifles on the score of her husband but these are family matters with which i do not meddle and besides it is not a bad thing to have a fault to repair it is an inducement to make great efforts in order to force the public to esteem and admiration and certainly her knave of a husband would never have done any one of the great things my catherine does every day the portrait of the empress worked in embroidery by herself hung in voltaire's bedroom in vain had he but lately said to pastor bertrand quote, my dear philosopher i have thank god cut all connection with kings instinct and natural inclination were constantly reasserting themselves banished from the court of versailles by the disfavour of louis the fifteenth he turned in despite towards the foreign sovereigns who courted him quote, europe is enough for me he writes i do not trouble myself much about the paris clique seeing that that clique is frequently guided by envy cabal bad taste and a thousand petty interests which are always opposed to the public interest End of chapter fifty five part three